Okay, uh, welcome back everyone. And I want to uh, go on to one other point. This also is new in my mind, not in the book. Um, that one of the features of synchronicity is uh, a series of similar events. And it could also be a series of similar longings, which might include fantasies about the fulfilling of the longings. They could be about need fulfillment. They could be about sex. They could be about finding just the right partner. But if you look at your overall train of thought and you notice that there is some similar, shall we say, enduring desire we have two options one is to take it literally I have a desire to have this kind of experience or this kind of relationship. So that's taking it literally. But you could also take it to go back to our other concept. You can also take it as a pointer. <clears throat> so here's where you work with yourself somewhat. To see it as a metaphor rather than taking it, rather than take it literally in a fundamentalist way. When this happens, the enduring desire points to three questions you can ask yourself. Let's say the desire is for kind of relationship in which someone really listens to me and respects me. And I keep having this thought in mind of this kind of a partner. So I can write that up and go to one of the computer sites, say, this is what I'm looking for. In which case, I'm treating it as if it's literally what I'm looking for. And it may be literally what you're looking for, but there's more depth in understanding our fantasies and longings when we take them in a metaphorical way, or at least pay some attention 
to this other possibility. One possibility, take it literally, I need to find somebody like that. Other possibility, take it as pointer metaphor to three things coming in the form of three questions. How can I give this to myself? Because built into the fantasy is it's missing here, so I need to get it from there and put it in here. So now I'm changing to, how can I give this to myself? What of this did I miss out on? in childhood and three how am I failing to access this from a higher power. So now every ongoing longing points in three directions and has been nagging at me because it wanted me to go in these directions and most likely once I respond to these and do the work and practice that leads me into exploring these the original longing will no longer be literal it will change and deepen. It won't be quite as mechanical. So how can I pay attention to myself more? How did I miss out on this in childhood and now need to do the grief work about what I missed in childhood? And how can I expand my spiritual program so that I begin to find this in a power beyond myself, which doesn't have to be a God. It could be nature. It could be Buddhist practice. Or whatever works for you. But it's something beyond the limits of your own ego. So this is how I'm now working on my own ongoing longings. I'm facing them into 
a serious challenge to myself, a serious inquiry into my past, and a serious practice that opens me to more of the spiritual perspective. Not content simply to let the longing be nothing but itself. And I'm finding it a very useful and profitable practice. So I throw it out to you, see how it feels. It's like looking more in depth at something that uh, just doesn't go away. Could it be that the reason it's hanging on is not the reason we imagine, which is it's not fulfilled. It's not hanging on because it's not fulfilled by someone else. It's hanging on because it's a lead-in to something that's much bigger than what any particular individual can provide. And this would apply to <coughs> desires, hopes, dreams, wishes, longings, fantasies. And the automatic response is, well, I must still have it because I haven't found the one who can fulfill it. That doesn't go far enough. Nothing hangs around for this long in the psyche unless it's going for very high stakes. This is low stakes. Somebody who will fulfill. And even that person only fulfill temporarily. These are the high stakes. How do I give it to myself? How do I make peace with the fact that it didn't happen as, it, as I had wished it had in childhood or in past relationships? And how am I failing to access it from my spiritual practice? This fantasy, even though it seems so banal or base, has a spiritual meaning. Everything does. But this we can be sure has a spiritual meaning because it has such a long shelf life that it would have to touch in 
on the deeper aspects of ourselves. What are these deeper acts, deeper elements of ourselves? How we love ourselves, how we make peace with the past, and how we advance our spiritual consciousness. So I'm proposing this as an example of another spin-off of the part of synchronicity that has to do with the similarity of certain events, series of events, series of longings, similar longings. Whenever there's similarity, long-standing series, there's something more going on than just what they betoken when taken in a literal way. And these three help us go deeper. First two, psychological. Third, spiritual. Questions about this? Because maybe the questions will help us expand it a little more. Anybody have a thought or a question? Everybody get the basic idea? Uh, way in uh, the second row here and then way in the back. No, you want to raise your hand? Right here. I, I, um, I wonder how that applies to aversions too. Like how can you give yourself um, the ability to put boundaries around something? Or what did you miss from your childhood that you didn't learn how to handle that kind of situation? Or uh, what do you need now to take care of yourself in view of what's going on that you're averting and that's painful? Yes, it goes both ways. Because that would be another long-standing, yes. long-standing aversion. Yes. She's bringing up a very good point. It isn't just what we move toward. It's what we're moving against over and over again. Why do I keep avoiding, for instance, you might say this to yourself. Why do I keep avoiding anything that challenges me physically? Somebody says, why don't you join our soccer team? Why don't you try yoga? Why do I continually, this is not me, I'm just using it as an example. Um, why do I continually say no to anything that would challenge me physically? This has a deeper meaning than just, I'm a scaredy cat. What am I up to? What, what would make me avoid this? What is it that I'm not comfortable giving myself? Was there any humiliation in childhood about my bodily awkwardness? And what is it in nature that calls me to be out there in a stronger way than I usually am? So these three have um, have a lot. These three questions really have many applications. 
I've been noticing that. Somebody way in the back, Adam? Yes. <coughs> Um, that was just really useful having you go through the three questions uh, with aversion. And I was wondering if, just so then I can start applying this more to my own life, um, if you would just give a few more examples, just run through the three questions with a few more hypothetical situations. Oh, okay. Do you have one specifically? Or? Um, oh, I probably have a million. Um, let's see. Um, the repeating desire of um, uh, wanting to find my deepest work in the world. So that being a, a recurring thought pattern of trying to find it. Um, should it be this? Should it be this? Um, do I want to pursue um, something psychology related? Um, do I want to go to a monastery? Um, lots of repeating thought patterns around life path and where, where I want to be going. Okay, this is a good example. So she's saying there's a kind of perplexing question, a nagging question. Um, what do I do with my life? So what am I doing with myself right now? Am I living in accord with my own needs and wishes. Because once I start doing this, I most likely will see what my path will be. Did I come from a childhood in which they encouraged me to know my own mind or did they try to push me in a certain direction? And if they didn't encourage me, can I make peace with that? And what is being offered in the spiritual practice that points me in the direction of how do I make a contribution? So all three give some clue in the direction of the original question. So what you're doing with this is you're using it as a resource to help you enter the question from three paths that you wouldn't ordinarily have noticed. Everybody follow? Somebody else had a also way behind you. Would you mind repeating the three questions again? I'm not sure if so I got So it's them. how can I give this to myself? Okay. What of this did not come to me in childhood that I now need to grieve? And how am I failing to access this from a higher power or from a spiritual practice or from nature? One other quick question. Have you seen, I've heard a number of people say this, when they lose somebody significant to them or a child, that they notice an increase in coincidences or synchronicity. Yes, because synchronicities gather around events of strong feeling. 
brings up strong feeling and gathers around strong feeling. Or important events to the world, like there were many synchronicities around the assassination of Lincoln and Kennedy. Other, there's another question on this? Way in the back. I think much or all of what you've said points toward this word, but I'm wondering if you could speak directly to the word forgiveness. Um, how is it connected to this? Oh, you mean forgiving the people from the past? Okay, um, so we mentioned about the grief work. This is a term made up by Freud. So, I'm sad about what I missed. I'm angry at those who made me miss it. I'm afraid I'll keep missing it. When I give full hospitality, to these three feelings. I notice that they lead to letting go of blame of those who triggered the sadness, anger, and fear and a letting go of the need to get back at them. Letting go of the need to blame or retaliate is called forgiveness. The feelings open a space that makes it possible to move on. The third and final part of the grief work move on with my own life. Feeling, forgiveness, move on. And this would apply to any of these events from the past, either in childhood or former relationships. Sad about 
how it went. I'm angry at myself and the other for how we put ourselves through all that. I'm afraid I'll never find another partner. Go through all these feelings. And how do you know you've gone through these feelings? Because there's an automatic letting go. You don't make this happen. You just notice, I no longer have the energy for blaming. And I no longer have the energy for retaliation. Even if it comes in that form, no longer have the energy. That still can work. And then you move on. So a beautiful poem by a modern female poet. I can't think of her name at the moment. But the first two lines are, At the end of my suffering, there was a door. At the end of my suffering, there was a door. She got it perfectly. So you have to go through the suffering. Only then does the door open and you can continue with the journey. What journey? Moving on toward your own personal fulfillment. Other questions left over on the other topic? Everybody getting the basic concept? So we can say, finally, that there have been many coincidences in the course of our life, and these coincidences have pointed to ways that we could see and even do some of the work that we're here to see and do. What is this work? To take what happened and somehow work with it so that it no longer impinges upon our moving on. It's not holding us back anymore. It has all become our whole past and all its experiences, it has all become the landscape not any longer the obstacle. Oh, it looked like this. And none of the way it looks, none of the way it looked like gets in the way anymore. All I, all I'm finding out is what it looked like. Landscape. Not obstacle. And 
And then from that comes the other realization, which is that whatever this particular landscape of mine happens to be, it's perfect. The word perfect in Latin comes from two words. P-E-R means through. F-E-C-T is done. It's done through and through. That's what perfect means. It's done through and through. It's no longer impinging. It's still impinging. If it's not done, it's impinging. But now the impinging has ended with all the programming with all the ways that it determines your choices. By clearing some of this, it's no longer impinging. It's simply done with, through and through. So now it's only part of the story. It's not um, getting in the way. Be something like, um, when Snow White was looking for a place to live and finding the house of seven dwarfs, she could say, because of the way my stepmother is, I find myself with no home. The way she is has impinged upon me. But at the end of the story, when there's no further influence by the queen, she can say, oh, that's what happened, and it's over. I can grieve what happened, but it's over with. That's just, my, that's just the part of my story, but it's not impinging at all upon this new relationship I'm in with the prince. It'd be something like that. That we would treat our own story in that way. Make sense to everybody? Okay, well we're going to... Um, I'd like to end with an appreciation of everybody for all the ways that you've shared in this and it's a fascinating topic and I'm really glad we all were together on this. And I'd like to end with a poem and then we'll have one more short sitting, just three minutes. But uh, this poem takes us back to the topic of relationships. And in this poem, which is by Thomas More, it's a sonnet, <clears throat> you, you'll see that he's describing a way of relating that goes beyond time and change. It's an idealized view of what a relationship can look like. And to me, it therefore describes not only 
a soulful connection, but also our spiritual connection. So instead of thinking of the, as you hear the poem, instead of thinking of it as just related, just referring to the woman that he's writing it to, also think to yourself that it somehow has to do with higher power, nature, whatever seems to be supporting you from beyond yourself. And in our tradition, that would be the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Believe me if all those endearing young charms which I gaze on so fondly today were to change by tomorrow and fleet in my arms like fairy gifts fading away. Thou wouldst still be adored as this moment thou art. Let thy loveliness fade as it will and around the dear ruin each wish of my heart would entwine itself verdantly still. It is not while beauty and wealth are thine own and thy cheek unprofaned by a tear that the fervor and faith of a heart may be known to which time will but make thee more dear. For the heart that has truly loved never forgets, but as truly loves on to the close as the sunflower turns to her God when he sets the same look that she turned when he rose. 